Hey guys, this is Matt Pandola with the Pandola Project. And I am your other host, Aaron Pandola. Yeah, man. And this is our Monday motivation yet again. What episode number is this? This will be episode 76. Wow. It's, man, we're more than three quarters of the way to my initial goal of getting to at least 100, which is kind of cool. That's going to be coming up sooner than we know. Yeah, man. So what uh, what have we been up to lately? I feel like, especially in the last uh, couple months, we're doing everything together. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Some days it's good. <laughs> Yesterday was a, was a good day. We uh, had Jake in here, our producer, and now we're now promoter, um, getting some videos and pictures of us for our YouTube and our website. And that was that was fun. It was actually more challenging than I had expected in the sense that you have to do things kind of over and over again and hold hold a pose to get the right shot and I mean I was I was actually pretty tired after that. Yeah, it's funny cuz in today's episode we talk about common misconceptions and and one of them is that we have to just continuously progressively overload weight in order to get stronger or to get results, but in reality that is an option for sure, but what I always like to try to go to First is more of that mind-to-muscle connection, slowing a moving movement down and uh, really focusing on the tempo, the breathing, and most importantly would be the intentional tension and, and creating that torque. So when we were doing those videos yesterday in the photos, I was like, man, th- it, the, this is the hardest training session I've done in a while, just holding those movements and, and then thinking, uh, Jake, take the picture, take the picture. Well, plus you're trying to do it perfectly and and look your best and have your face not look like you're working so hard and make it make it a nice shot so yeah that was like I said that was a little more challenging than than what I expected but it was also quite a bit of fun yeah no it it was good and it's always good you learn a little bit more about yourself every time you do things that are different right and I it's been a long time since uh, I've done anything like that and so it was something where I even thought to myself why do I care so much about having everything look perfect because I don't even believe in things trying you know practice making perfect all that kind of stuff no I think that's another misconception in itself right so but because I feel like people are going to look at it and evaluate it and then I have to just you know reduce that in my mind to people who believe in what we're teaching and preaching. They're not going to try to scrutinize every little single detail about how our face may look in a you know in a picture, right? That's true. That's true. So today's episode uh, talked about again common misconceptions both in diet and training. Yeah, and w- when you uh, you talk about both. Genetics are a big, I think, part of the questions that we get or the base of that. We didn't we didn't cover that as much in the actual podcast today, but I'll just say that if if you think you have a slower metabolism or if you think that you have specific uh, reasons why you're not able to get the results you want to get, it's to me about learning to adapt and understanding that it's a slow process that's why we call it incremental process and once you once you really just say i'm going to take the time to experiment on me i'm going to take these sound principles and i'm going to do the work and not abandon 
any goal that I have and really stick with it for at least, let's say, six weeks before I um, before I move on, I feel like most people are going to end up finding out a lot more about themselves. And sure, I'm first to admit that sometimes we have to thank our parents or blame them for certain genetics. But there's a lot of things that we can improve, if not all things, just might not be to the exact same expectations as the person next to us. So, you know, it comes comes to those basics compared to what conversations. And hopefully the information we gave you today will help you in your process to success. Welcome back, everyone, to the Pandola Project. Today, we are talking about misconceptions and what kind of questions do I or Aaron usually get about training or nutrition and just these, some of it is that sort of bro science out there, just even well-meaning information that you're given by family or friends, something that may have worked for somebody else, but is not necessarily going to work for you. I kind of sometimes liken it to trying to find another piece of a grain in the sand that's identical to the one your friend found. And you're supposed to find that other grain in the sand, but it's never going to happen because you are unique, you are different. So we're going to talk a little bit today about absolutes and whether or not it's valid to listen to an absolute or at very least, what kind of tools do we need to know so we can make it work for us? I find that clients and or friends can be disappointed when they will ask me, you know, what do you eat every day? How do you work out? Give me your exact nutrition and your training program so I'm going to do it just like you. And if they do or they do to the best of their abilities and then their results are not what they were hoping for, it can lead to some some disappointment. And I try to explain that, that, you know, we are different people in extremely different backgrounds in most cases. So it's not always going to turn out the way it turned out for me. Yeah. And just bringing up calories, for example, a lot of people want to know how many calories you're actually taking in in a day or a typical day. And and we've mentioned before trying to write our calories down and document that. That's no fun. We don't enjoy doing it ourselves. And the truth is we don't do it ourselves. We, we only have tried to do it really in the past so that we can give a set point or an example of a set point for other people just as an example. But even then, really, I think it can be misconstrued. And so it's not about that. It's really boils down to knowing that what you are doing is going to be of service to your overall lifestyle and goals. And when you are eating, let's say the majority of your foods are protein or you're having you're you decide you're going to follow more of a low carb higher fat type of nutrition program if you are going through a program like that and find over a 6 week period that there were certain things that 
really didn't seem to add up for you or that you weren't able to really reduce your weight, it's probably because you had something in there that wasn't supposed to be in there for you. If, does that make sense? Yeah, and you going through this trying this fat adapted diet right now to see how it's helping your endurance and we were just talking about this that I had tried not as not as dedicated as you have been the last 10 days but at one point I did try to to be more fat adapted and it just it did not work for me and what we kind of were talking about is that um, my sports are a little bit more explosive in nature and they always have been throughout my entire life so I don't think that I could do well off of a fat adapted diet whereas you are finding that you're still able to go run for three and a half hours and you feel great so again we are completely different people we have different backgrounds we have different body types and plus the gender role obviously plays plays into that too yeah, I was telling you that, again, there's there's no absolutes here, but with a lot of female athletes, at least in my experience, I am very cautious, at least with most of them, on if they decide to go on low carbs, because I do think that that sometimes can be a tricky equation, and that's where one of the cases where a female athlete isn't necessarily going to adapt the same way as a male athlete. And the truth of it is that we do process that part, at least in my opinion, in my experience, a little bit differently between men and women. So that's that's part of it. And then with the fat adaption process that I'm going through, I am considering doing some longer, even ultra races, and I'm very curious as to how much I can uh, give myself, how much an advantage I can give myself if I really take my time with this and do it, do it right. But, you know, that being said, there are going to be certain things that I've got to get through in the next couple of weeks that I don't necessarily enjoy. So I'm I'm looking towards a six-week period of time so that I really know what I'm doing is working or not, and I'm testing myself. I'm going out and giving myself a specific pace and then seeing how I feel off of that pace, where my heart rate's at, where my breathing's at, and taking good notes on those things and then realizing at certain windows or in certain zones that I'm feeling really, really good, but I'm not letting other outside information predict that for me. I'm doing my own research. I'm experimenting on me, and then I'm going to take that and go from there. Another misconception or question I get a lot to bring it back to the calories is when you said how how many calories and then me not really having a great answer for that because as you said it depends on you and your activity level and so many other factors so but what I will say is more common than not is people are probably eating too few calories in order to try to reach that weight loss goal or to look a certain way faster than what they should be doing. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. I think it's either too few calories in some cases, but I think in a lot of cases, it's also they're getting in more calories than they realize they're getting in um, because when they're counting calories, they're really not uh, aware of the few hundred extra calories they got here or there because 
sometimes, by the way, the labels lie, believe it or not. The labels aren't always um, dead on to where they, they tell you they, they will be. And um, then there's other times when it's just so much easier to get in extra portion that you don't realize or you didn't read carefully enough to see that that's actually two servings, not one, etc. So I think a lot of times people get that wrong. But I think that what you're talking about is more people purposely just trying to restrict themselves and go hungry. And I completely agree with you that in that case, whether or not they are in much of a deficit or where they're at, what I think tends to happen is, or at least in part, is the the neat component, right? So that's that non-exercise activity thermodynamic or thermogenesis, right? And so that's that's where we start to look a little bit more at just how much am I moving around when I'm not exercising. And that tends to go up a little bit more when you are in a surplus of calories, or at least with some people. I know myself, that's certainly the case. I'll be waving my hands around a whole lot more when I'm a bit of a surplus. If I'm in a little bit more of a deficit on my calories, I may be moving around a little bit less often when I'm not exercising. If I'm too much in the extreme when it comes to a deficit, then I'm moving a lot less and I'm probably not putting the intensity into my training. And that's when I said before about going through a fat adapted program I'm not purposely trying to get in less calories, but I can say that I don't feel as explosive. I don't feel like lifting heavy things so much right now, although that may pass. So I'm just kind of monitoring and seeing what's going on, but also recognizing that while I go through these changes, I've got to give my body time to adapt. And the brain takes a few days. What's interesting to me is I think it was probably about a week into this fat adaption before my brain really even recognized the new program I was on because this week, this second week, I'm now in day 10 is harder than last week was for me. Yeah. And we noticed some kind of mood swings too happening. (laughs) Sorry. I had to bring that up because, you know, it's, it's, the physical, but it's also, like you said, the mental, when you're talking about bringing your, your brain into the equation, it's, um, I think that'll get better. But last week I didn't notice it as much, but like you said, this week when we talked about it, we're open about it and it's like, wow, you have definitely had some ups and downs, um, emotionally, uh, the last few days. So hopefully, as you said, that'll start to get better and adapt and you'll be able to kind of just level out. I'll, I'll put it like that. Yeah, no, I, I listen, I think transparency is I've always wanted to have a show like this. If we're going to do something like this, I, I want to be transparent. And, and a large part is because I know that when I'm being honest with people, then it's more likely when these things may be happening to them, too, they don't feel like a freak or they don't feel like they're the only one. So, yeah, I I remember yesterday was a great example where. You came in and Jake, our producer, and 
he uh, he and I, uh, you and I were talking about a new training system that I've been really putting a lot of work into the last six weeks, and that's actually we're going to launch that system in just a couple weeks. So I was reviewing that, and I was talking a mile a minute. I was super excited about it. I felt really good. And then within, I'd say, 15 minutes or so of that conversation, I was, I, I almost felt like I was depressed and couldn't, ha- I, we were trying to put videos together for our upcoming YouTube channel and I couldn't put two thoughts together all of a sudden. So I'm going through those swings right now. But again, I'm giving it a chance and I'm not just going to abandon something like this, I can say that I have noticed some differences already in my running that I've tested. So that's a good sign. But let's say that it's two months from now and I'm still having crazy mood swings. I I wouldn't continue with something like that just because it wouldn't be worth it, uh, you know, because of how it affects the rest of my life. That's good to know. I'm happy to hear that. (laughs) But with that, the too few calories or the, the, thinking that you're getting the fewer calories than what you are gets me to the um, the other misconception or thought of I'm just going to cut out this entire food group, whether it be most likely when it's talking about diet or losing weight, it is the carbs. And that's where I kind of struggled with you saying, I'm going to do this fat adapted diet because you and I have always kind of been on the same page of you shouldn't cut out an entire food group. There are benefits to each of your food groups and that's, you know, goes into having a a balanced diet. Um, So that I struggled with a little bit, cutting out an entire food group. But so let's talk about that as being a a misconception or how how do you adapt to that? How do you you handle that if someone's going to say, I'm just going to cut out carbs. And I think along with that is you have to know which carbs you're talking about. You know, it doesn't mean like you're still eating carbs, right? Yes, I'm still eating carbs. Mainly we're talking about vegetables, Um, not even starchy vegetables, though. And so it's pretty strict right now. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Get it? Sugarcoat it. You're so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm funny. And I'm also reading Wired to Eat by Rob Wolf uh, now for the second time. And and some of you may know I I used to uh, be Rob's strength coach. So I really respect a lot of things that he has to say. But again, one of the things, if you know Rob personally, he doesn't push absolutes on anybody. So that's what I really like. I'm not necessarily all in on the uh, paleo solution or I'm not all in on all of these concepts all the time, but I do... I think it's good information and I'm reading more about it and just kind of understanding better what the additional sugar or refined fuels may be doing to me hormonally and long term. And as I get older, it is becoming more and more important to me that I really pay attention. So it isn't just for performance. And right now, the way I'm looking at these mood things is, wow, I really needed this. I needed to level off because I probably shouldn't be having these issues if I started off a little bit more balanced. Yeah, and just to be clear, when I said, you know, people shouldn't cut out entire food groups, of course, I am not a, you know, a nutritionist, a dietitian by any means. I, and I'm sure there are people with certain, um, that you know need to not eat certain things based on their their medical needs so please don't misconstrue that i'm saying you know everyone should eat every food group that's not what i meant it was more of a you know for the general population that i deal with is like in a way to to lose weight fast would be cutting something out so that's that was my 
you know my thought there yeah no and we've there's there's a lot of topics that we have and will discuss more but there's something called fodmaps out there that is really restrictive in my opinion but is necessary for certain cases and then of course uh, you know, celiac disease i mean there's uh, there's obvious things like this where you're not going to take in gluten but that doesn't mean you don't take in carbs and so that's the thing i think you're trying to emphasize right, right now yeah you know, exactly I'm, I'm not taking in the 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 fillers so much i'm not taking in the starches but that being said i am not taking in nearly as much fruit as i normally would and believe I should even. So I want to be very clear about that. In my mind, I have to kind of follow the program for a few weeks and then I start reintroducing. And in that program, I'll kind of keep you guys a little bit more up to date. I'll be honest in how it's working for me. But uh, there is a reintroduction part of the program and that part I'm looking forward to and, and testing. And I, I will be using uh, Rob Wolf's Wired to Eat uh, testing system for that as as well, using uh, glucose tabs. Yeah, so for training, that was the other subject that we were wanting to cover today for misconceptions because along with diet, of course, is the training. So we found, you know, quite a few. We tried to narrow it down to what we thought are our main questions that we get. And the top one to me was um, how how do you know, like strength training versus cardio? What are the benefits of strength training versus cardio? And speaking from a, a female perspective um, or f- having a lot of female friends, I tend to get the opinion that, oh, we just need to do cardio all the time to to maintain our weight. And it's always cardio is always the first thing they go to. And I've always been more of the the strength training side of that. So trying to pull people from the, the cardio mindset into the strength training and get them to realize how beneficial that can be. Yeah, which is kind of funny because at least in my opinion, I mean, uh, just remember I've worked with probably more female athletes over the last 20 years than than male athletes. Not, I mean, not probably. I definitely have. And so I've, I've actually experienced a lot of this and seen a lot of this through my female clients and their interpretations, expectations, and actual results. And what, I've, what, what I think I find ironic anyways is, is that females do tend to stick with the cardio. They're afraid of the weights, but yet because they don't have the same testosterone levels normally as a man and they don't hold as much lean tissue. So most females are going to have about 10% less lean muscle tissue, okay? And they're going to have about 10 to 12% more body fat. And that's athlete compared to athlete. So if I took two equally elite athletes, a male and a female, that female is probably going to be uh, 25% body fat if the male is 15, uh, somewhere in there. So that being said, 
female athletes need to think about the weights, I think, even more so, arguably, than most male athletes. Um, I would say that and then my my male runners, quite honestly, need to really think about that. Or in other words, my, uh, my male athletes that are really into the endurance game, um, that, that, those are people who I think need to be in the gym even more or, or not in the gym, but using weights even more, but yet they tend to do it the least. That gets back to previous conversations about doing more of what you haven't been doing. So if you have been, um, you know, running for the last, you know, two years, and that's all you've been doing and you haven't been really focusing on the strength work, well, it's probably time that you did that and vice versa. You know, I ran into that myself where I was doing, you know, 90 90 to 95% strength work. And then, you know, cardio was kind of that, like, I guess I'll have to do it because it's good for me kind of thing. And that didn't work long term because I started realizing I was pretty imbalanced in my in my training. Yeah. And this is always a great subject. You're atypical in that sense where uh, most females don't train for strength train for as long and consistently as you have. So you make for a very interesting example in case study to prove that strength training does work and works well, but you actually did get in a decent amount of cardio all of that time. Uh, just something I like to point out, but it does, it does fall along the lines of misconceptions is that strength training isn't cardio. Well, certainly if you've ever done a a hard strength. Well, if you've ever trained next to Aaron, you would know what I'm talking about right now. Her heart rate stays pretty high. I guess I just stated my own misconception there, didn't I? Because that's true. I just, as you're talking, it's like, oh gosh, yeah, I, I guess that that is completely correct that I was getting cardio in. I guess traditional saying like I wouldn't go out for a for a run let's say but yeah I, I was still building my cardio base while I was strength training so there you go yeah and it kind of lends us into the other part of or the other side of that subject which is uh, does does it need to be specific or when I'm talking about spe- specificity, things that you're doing uh, cardio-wise, so cardio tends to be muscle-specific, right? And so, in other words, if I want to get better at running, I definitely need to run. And so that part of it is true, but your overall conditioning and your heart health and those things, um, you probably are getting that in pretty well by just getting in varied training and obviously if your strength training includes say Tabata sets and you purposely do some steady state type of circuits in there I mean you know certainly swinging a kettlebell for uh, you know five minutes of fun is 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 a heck of a, a cardio challenge in itself so there there's a lot of uh, those type of things that do blend in together but we have heard um, this is a this is a pet peeve of mine, and I get that it's not um, intentional. But we have heard before. Well, I I was going to hire you guys. I, we're, I was thinking about uh, applying to to be a member in your program, but you know I don't do marathons. I'm training for you know a, a, a jujitsu tournament or something, and you're just shaking your head, going, it's 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 so funny to me that uh, people think that endurance is innate is what we like to say and 
people think that if I'm not going to train for a marathon, though, I don't need that endurance. And and yet you do need endurance. But you do you think we're going to have you just go out there and start running uh, 20 miles a day because we know something about training marathon runners? Um, I, I just I don't know what people are thinking the workouts are going to look like or the training is going to look like. I That is a good one to bring up. I've gotten that over the years too of not me specifically more on your side because you're known as quote unquote the runner right so people would say that to me that um well matt just trains runners right so i can't train with him because all he does is train runners but they don't you're right they don't make that connection that 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 underlies the, you know the strength is underneath all of that so you do train runners yes but you also train you know how many other athletes and and the base is the strength so yeah whether you're a marathon runner or a um a jiu-jitsu athlete you need that endurance yeah i mean part of this i will say comes with time and training and educating ourselves and just knowing more as we go so of course you know in the beginning of my career i might have been more guilty of say uh, leaning towards things that I liked more in training. And that may not um, fit everybody, obviously doesn't fit everybody. And so I get that. But of course, you know, ironically, probably my most well-known athletes and the one is, ones who have made it to the Olympics or professional levels, um, well, some we've had some runners that have, have made pretty high levels, of course, but actually the majority is our court sport and our field sport athletes, which is kind of the irony there. Um, because, of course, all I did was I took good concepts and then made it work for that athlete and made it relative to their goals. So, no, I'm not going to have, you know, Gabby Williams, my professional basketball athlete who had an ACL tear in high school, not going to take her and then put her on three mile, you know, intervals, of course. Right. And so that's where we make sure that each athlete is individualized, but getting back to what most of you are probably thinking of when it comes to the strength room, there's been a lot of, I think, misleading even that uh, you need to do this many reps to get this way, right? So if you think tone muscles, right, how many reps do you think you need to do to get tone muscles, like up the top of your head? To get toned muscles? Yeah, or I'm saying what people think. Um, I'd say 20 reps. Right. 15, 20 reps. Everybody goes high in these reps, and it's like, come on, you know, abs are cooked in the kitchen. We talk about that. But, of course, the best thing you can do to get good results, in my mind, it's intentional tension. That's first, okay? And then there comes progressive overload. And I say, and then there comes progressive overload because... Uh, risk versus reward. You know, when you first start training somebody, it's like magic. Like everything you're doing, they're getting results. They they can lift heavier week after week because they're starting from, you know, a, the low-hanging fruit. And as they climb that, that ladder and as they get more fit and they get more elite, it becomes harder and harder. So you don't want to take somebody, let's say, um, where they originally were going from a, you know, 50-pound sumo squat, okay, to eventually doing, let's say, a 300-pound safety squat, 
and now you're just going to go to uh, 350 pounds the next week or 310 pounds for that matter the next week because progressive overload worked for them in the beginning. Well, you know, it, it takes a little bit more um, time and training and you have to also start to really get a little more creative and put some variations and tempo is a big one. So, I'm going to increase the tension with an athlete as much as we can. In other words, maybe work more on their mind-to-muscle connection and increase that torque. So I call it on uh, fit, right? So focus on intentional tension and slow that movement down. So right now during this whole COVID-19 deal, a lot of people are doing their home training programs. And, um, you know, I, I admit... We get to use the gym, and I am, I am working on programs for when we reopen and when we send these programs out to the masses. So I get to lift some weights again, but I did go back to body weight training for a while because I wanted to go through it too. And it all, to me, came down to how much am I actually focusing on challenging these muscles right now. And that's where the magic can lie. Yeah, and that ties into people thinking that we spend seven days a week working out. So that you you must have to be living in the gym, working out an hour and a half a day to get the results you're getting. So the the longer I work out, the more I work out, the better the results are going to be. And in fact, I mean, my longest workouts are probably 45, 50 minutes, but bringing that intentional focus into things and making the time really count is where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. It's not spending an hour and a half in the gym doing 10 circuits and just trying to just pack that volume in. Um, At least to me, shorter, more quality uh, over quantity in the exercises that you're choosing and the way you are choosing to perform those exercises is where you're going to get the most results. Yeah, I mean, if there are true gym rats out there that are listening, you may want to spend a couple hours in the gym because that is your hobby. That is your folk, your main focus. That is your sport. And especially, of course, if you're going to be a strong man or a bodybuilder, those kind of things, living in the gym is a little bit more necessary. And uh, that doesn't, that's not really where, uh, you know, our expertise lies, where we focus on. In fact, we refer out to anybody with those kind of goals. So with the athletes we deal with and including ourselves, and I would say, especially the general population, we want them to be as little as 20 minutes to do a session and as long as an hour, but really not over that because there's only so much you know, water in the cup before it overflows. And so how much demand are you putting onto your system before you start to overflow and and risk burnout, fatigue, injury, those kind of things. Most of the people coming to us and most of the people listening right now, what you're doing in your training for your strength training and your conditioning for your goals should be to serve those goals outside of your quote-unquote gym. So that's something to just always keep in mind. You don't have to and you sh- live in the gym and you shouldn't um, unless that is you know, what your passion is. Yeah, like you said, there are some people that do need that hour and a half, you know, session if 
if that's what they're they want to do and again yeah that was what makes them tick that's their that's their passion then yes absolutely but i yeah speaking for the general at least for my clients that i've that i work with or people that ask me what i do that's that's my perspective on that yeah and there's there's a lot of science behind what we're saying to for example if somebody's going to do, we'll just uh, take a muscle group. There's uh, something called German volume training where it's pretty uh, well known where you'll do 10 sets, you say, of let's just say it's chest press. And um, you're going to do all those 10 sets at about 80% of your uh, of your maximum effort or uh, of your um, your best one rep max. And that's a lot of sets in a single day. And of course, if you couple that with, say, some you know rows for your back, it makes for a long, a long day, or it can. Or you have somebody whose main goal is to deadlift as much weight as humanly possible. Like that's their sport. They're going to do a rep or two and then maybe take five minutes off before they even do another set. That takes a long time. That's a different scenario, but we're mainly talking about 80 to 90%. Again, you know, that good old 80-20 rule of the people that really just need those, uh, the basics and the basic service the best they always will. And then I'm not saying, by the way, that you can't end up figuring out what you need more specific work on. There is a point where you start to realize, I need to do a little bit more here, and that's where I'm going to spend my time. And so there's there's nothing wrong with doing that as long as it has a purpose. That's what I think it comes down to. And just remember that intentional tension coming back to that, instead of just trying to add a progressive overload every single week, just looking a little bit more at mechanical tension. Because when you take something like, I know a friend of yours, for example, who runs and has knee pain and is saying, hey, you know, my knees are really starting to bother me. Working on getting her glutes stronger is a big component. So that is, that's the mechanical work that needs to be done to help to counteract the cyclic action of running. So that's the other important variable to me is, is cardio bad? Is strength bad? Well, or strength, is it going to make me too bulky? Or is cardio going to make me too thin? You know, the answer is no and no. It's just how you approach it, how you do it. And it's, I mean, we could, we could bring that into carbs and protein. You know, carbs bad? No, but what kind of carbs are you taking in? You know, the, that's the real question to, uh, to, asking, to ask yourself. Yeah, just be be mindful of of who you are and what your goals are, and um, both with the diet and the training for sure. Yeah, so hopefully we didn't speak in any true absolutes today, didn't contradict ourselves, and gave you some good, you know, just some things to really ponder and and think about. And to close off the show, I just remind everybody that we really do love to get your feedback. We love to hear from you. This is where we can get specific questions from you. You can email us, of course, or you can also just give us a little bit of love and you know, either share us with your friends or your anybody you think that could help with this show helping to serve you. It can serve other people that you care about. So please, you know, share us and like us. And, you know, if you took the time to write a review, we would just greatly appreciate it. Um, I will say at this point 
in the podcasting, my goal was to get to um, at least the first hundred shows and just see how we're doing, how we're going. And I feel like that's going really well, and I'm very grateful for w- the traction we have gotten so far. But I have gotten more thank yous and through texts and emails and and things like this with amazing and glowing reviews about this information. And uh, I keep asking those people, can you please write a review? Because that actually would help us a lot in getting noticed by more people for the show. And uh, very few of those people do that. So I'm calling you out. If you have been listening to the show and you have not written a review for us or you've not rated us or you've not shared us, please do that so that we can continue with the show. Yep, and as always, you can visit our website, PandolaTraining.com, to sign up for our newsletter. And we're always on Instagram at Pandola Project, posting things just about daily if you just want to check out what we're up to. And we will keep you posted on when we are going to launch our YouTube channel. Yeah, man. Thank you. 